Hello and welcome back to Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best undiscovered craft beer cities across America. I'm your host, Brian, and welcome back to another episode. I already said welcome back. Two welcome backs. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. All right, well, I'm back from the road this week, sitting comfortably in my office here. And on this week's episode, MC and I were joined by Rafi Chaudhry, the CEO of Torn Label Brewing Company. We talked about their growth after celebrating seven years in business last month. We also talked about the addition of their newest space, Torn Label Public House. And as I will do with every guest that has an IMDb page, we talked about Rafi's background in the movie business. We also enjoyed the Brown Ale and Alpha Pale Ale from Torn Label. So sit back and enjoy another episode of Brews Less Traveled. Brews Less Traveled is recorded in front of a live Zoom audience. You may hear mentions to the chat or the live stream viewers. If you're interested in participating in the live stream, you can join the Brews Less Traveled Beer Club at Bruvana.com. Hello, everybody. How's it going, MC? Hey, Brian. I'm great. How are you? Oh, I am just wonderful. Uh, the the theme song always gets me going and ready to do our awesome Bruise Less Traveled live stream here. Yeah, uh, it's jazzy. It's good. It sets the mood. Gets it uh gets gets the blood flowing, gets me ready to drink some awesome beers, talk about awesome breweries, and uh yeah. It's awesome to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I've had a uh, a long but good week, so I'm I'm ready for a couple of beers today. Personally, what about you? Sounds like you've also had a long and good week. I I have a long I have had a long week, also a good week. I was traveling this past weekend, checking out cities that were getting ready to feature on the podcast, which is a lot of fun. Trying so a lot exciting. of beers. Uh, but, you know, travel is al- always tiring. It's good to be home. And it's even better to be on the stream with everybody at home. How's everybody doing? Hopefully everybody is having just as good of a night as MC and I. Uh, we have another <laughs> wonderful featured brewery from the great city of Kansas City. Tonight uh, we'll be tasting beers from Torn Label. We'll also be joined by a great guest from Torn Label, the CEO, and we'll bring him on in a minute here. But we got two beers to drink tonight. We have their brown ale as well as their alpha pale ale. And uh, enough talk about the beers, enough talk about getting into drinking beers. Let's do it. Let's open our first beer here. I'm excited to start with this brown ale, you know, in this in this age of hoppy beers. You don't see a lot of like classic American brown ales. Yeah, and it's such a it's such a great style m- mending especially American brown ales, it mending mm-hmm. the beauty of the hops with these subtle malt flavors and it coming together to form this 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 thing that you only find in good American brown ales. <laughs> yep, that's true. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, everybody at home. Cheers, MC. Oh, that is nice. The lab- uh, the description from Torn Label reads, a classic and highly quaffable take on the American brown ale, coming in at 5.4% ABV. Light roast and toast combine in this traditional style, perfect for the ups and downs of spring temperatures. 
it's 50 degrees here in Pittsburgh. So this is like the exact beer that I want to drink right now. Yeah, it was warm and rainy here in Missouri today. And um, like I see some folks in the chat getting ready to have a winter storm, we are too. So, you know, this beer kind of runs the gamut. Uh, You know, it can be kind of cozy and warm, but it's also, like you said, Brian, really nice for a nice spring day. So I am, I am really liking this. Yeah. There's a, a nice, nice little bitterness to it coming from the hop character, really um, smooth malt flavors. Yeah. Uh, very well balanced. I, if, even if it was a little warmer outside, I could see this being nice and refreshing. Oh, uh, yeah. 5.4% ABV, not too heavy. Yeah. Highly drinkable. Like I said, really cozy, really like, um, I love those um, roasty, toasty flavors that aren't super deep and rich, just like light, little milk chocolatey there, a little like tobacco-y there. Yeah. And as somebody said in the chat, definitely hoppier than an English brown. And I would say that's one of the real defining characteristics of an American brown versus an English brown. I mean, that that seems to be the defining characteristic of every time we throw American on it, like American stout. Oh, it's just 85 IBUs. Yeah. American barley wine. It's 100 IBUs. Yeah. That hop character really like dries it out, gives it a nice sharp finish. Yeah, it is very well balanced. It's a a beautiful marriage of multi flavors and hop flavors without being over the top on either of those. And there might even be a little touch of fermentation character in there, a little bit of estery kind mm. of bringing everything together. Maybe just for me. I'm, I'm going to let mine warm up for a little bit. I'm kind of, I'm kind of drinking it quickly. I'm realizing because uh, it's very drinkable. <laughs> so I'm going to hold it in my hands, let it warm up, see if I can get some of those fruity fermenty characteristics you're getting brian it could also be because i just had a vanilla coke with my dinner and my power could just be uh not you know just picking up things that are weird either way i am certainly enjoying this beer and beer isn't the only thing that we include in our wonderful beer club boxes i want to take a second to point out the awesome postcard that our marketing team put together be sure to check those out inside of your box uh, our marketing team does excellent work on these as well as the beautiful brew map that includes many of the kansas city breweries in that area such a great brew map i mean you'll see like beyond the breweries we're talking about there are so many great breweries in kansas city and you'll also notice, you know, we are talking about Torn Label, which like our um, old friends from City Barrel, you'll remember, are also, um, they're both down there in the Crossroads District. And you can look around on your map there and see that that is a very popular spot for breweries, um, a really great beer community going on down there. So if you ever get a chance to get to Kansas City, there's a lot of awesome stuff to check out, but the Crossroads District is a great place to go have uh, many wonderful beers. Yeah, it seems like a real hot spot for yeah. breweries in Kansas City. And I think it's a great time to uh, bring on our guests so we can talk more about that neighborhood, talk more about Torn Label and these awesome beers we're drinking tonight. So please, everyone, join me in welcoming the CEO of Torn Label, Rafi Chaudhry. I really hope I got that last name right. I, I have. You got like, it. Usually there's a learning curve, but you actually nailed it the first time out. So uh, impressive. <laughs> Beautiful. Job, Brian. Thanks Take so that. much for joining us. How's it going? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, and good to be with everyone tonight. 
First off, I read that Torn Label recently uh, celebrated their seven year anniversary. So congrats on seven years. Can you start off by talking about tor how Torn Label has grown over those seven years? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it is it is amazing. Every time I hear that back, I know it's true, but it doesn't actually seem like that. Uh, <laughs> if, if this makes sense, seven years simultaneously feels like way longer and way less time just because, you know, longer yeah. because we were kind of conceiving of it, developing it, planning it for so long before that. But then shorter because I really remember those launch week events uh, when we opened like it happened last week, you know, so um, yeah. so it does seem very surreal to be at uh, seven years. Um, but yeah, we we started as a distribution brewery. We had our uh, shipped our first kegs right at the end of 2014, and then had a bunch of launch weeks uh, around the city in Kansas City in uh, in 2015. Uh, and yeah, it was really kind of um, beers that we sent out around the city for distribution. We opened uh, in terms of um, growth, expansion, next steps, that sort of thing. We, we we started distributing kegs. We started bottling a little bit in the early days, and then we the next big thing was our, our tap room, which you guys have a very uh, nice looking green screen behind you. I didn't realize it snuck in there. <laughs> uh, that was the, uh, the, the kind of first uh, little next thing to happen, which was really exciting for us. It has kind of a nice um, kind of a fun speakeasy kind of a cozy uh, uh, feel to it. And after uh, maybe another year or so, year and a half, um, we started to can our beers, which is, of course, which you guys are enjoying right now, which was, you know, that was a huge step for us. You know, bottling was great, you know, but we were, you know, literally doing it the way, the way I'm sure all of you or many of you are familiar with, just the kind of homebrewing way. It was a, basically a homebrewing bottling rig that our brewmaster built himself and capping and, and, and filling 22-ounce bottles uh, ourselves. And <laughs> we had to take the next step. And, you know, we just were, we were wanting to do enough beer where, that was not going to cut it for 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 canning and releasing our, our year-round flagship. So we um, we brought a canning line uh, a couple of years later, expanded distribution just a little bit. We still have a pretty tight distribution area. We basically stick within the um, uh, the KC city primarily, but we, we're out in Missouri and Kansas. So Kansas side, we're kind of out as far as like Lawrence and Wichita, Missouri side as far as Springfield. But you know, we're really just kind of try to keep things um, around KC just because, you know, we uh, obviously it's our, we're proud of our hometown and we just want to, we love to get the beer out uh, as fresh and as in uh, great shape as possible people around the city. But uh, that that's why it was really fun to actually participate in this just because we don't, you know, distribute around that very limited uh, area normally. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, so it was a lot of fun to be able to share our beer with people who normally don't have access to it. But yeah, so um, expand the distribution. And then the next really big thing was just this last year, uh, last spring, uh, opened uh, Turn Label Public House, which is our an expansion, so larger space that also includes a restaurant concept as well. So we're kind of, do, we're doing food, we're doing more space, we're doing um, kind of a little more of a gathering spot than we had. Um, our, our, our tap room, our, our kind of OG tap room is great. We love it. We still use it um, sometimes, but you know, it's a 28 person maximum occupancy. So, you know, we kind of hit a wall pretty quickly and what you can do with that. So this, this next space is the public house. Um, a little more room. More room, a little more room to spread out and, uh, you know, really happy with how the food's going in the kitchen program so far right now. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's been an exciting ride for sure. And so can I ask real fast, is your, is the public house also in the crossroads or is that just the tap room? It is. Yeah. So it's uh, the, both the public house, tap room and brewery. Um, it's all in the same building. So we oh, okay. have the, uh, the south section of a building that we lease. Uh, it's the Studios Inc. building, which is 
So, you know, if, if you're not from Casey, um, the Crossroads, as you mentioned, it's become kind of a really great, amazing brewery hotspot. It's, you know, I'm biased, of course, but it's the place to visit, <laughs> I think, if you ever are able to, to visit Casey. Traditionally, it's been the arts district. That was kind of what it was there for back when I was growing up, back when we were, um, you know, me and our brewmaster owners were growing up. Uh, it was the kind of gallery arts district and still is very much known for that. It's still what people kind of come out, one of the, uh, the things that people come out there for. But uh, so our building is Studios Inc., which is a nonprofit um, artist workspace and exhibition space. So they have donated workspaces for artists and they have solo shows, group shows, that sort of thing. So we basically lease our space from them, but we also open directly to their gallery. So people can kind of uh, come in when they're open and kind of flow back and forth and have a beer and check out some of the art. And, you know, we never have to look far for inspiration. You know, we're in the Crossroads Arts District, but literally sharing a space with some amazing artists uh, in, in the city and in the region. So uh, we, we do a series uh, every now and then, our artist series where we, where we collaborate with the artists in a, a beer where the, you know, the inspiration is either sometimes very direct, sometimes very, very abstract in terms of how they're connected. But um, but that's been really fun uh, just to kind of be so connected with the art scene. Uh, but yeah, the, the Crossroads neighborhood, the new public house side are everything basically is there and uh, we're, we, we love being there. Yeah. So obviously it means a lot being in that neighborhood that you would put your expansion in that neighborhood and, and stay there. What does it mean being a part of that, that arts district? You know, it's, it was really great to be able to grow within that same space. You know, it's uh, you know, we had other thoughts of potentially looking elsewhere uh, the same way we did when we were looking for a space and you know, we looked all over the city, you know, uh, kind of, far and wide in terms of a good fit for us. And the crossroads is really kind of always the dream location. And it's honestly, it's only gotten better since we moved in here. Um, when we opened, there was it really, things really start to take off around that, that year, basically. We opened um, in distribution and then we opened our tap room about six months later in the summer. And there was three breweries actually, including us. So there's uh, us and then Double Shift and Border Brewing uh, that opened our tap rooms right around literally the same three week period in I think July or August of that, that same year. Uh, all of us within like basically a half mile radius of each other. So that was really cool uh, and meaningful to be uh, a part of that community just because it is something that you know hadn't really existed in KC. We were a little mm -hmm. bit later to be honest in terms of the, the brewery scene really exploding. So to kind of come up in that neighborhood was great. And then we saw new entries like City Barrel um, and um, KCBC actually was a little bit before us. But the crossroads at this point, there's about a dozen breweries within maybe about a two mile or so walkable kind of little, actually less than that, like a mile and a half watt radius in that wow. neighborhood. Um, and they're all just, you know, with it's a great friendly collaborative scene all of us are doing something a little bit different and we all just love, you know, to hang out and drink each other's beer. So we certainly wanted to <laughs> remain part of that. That's awesome. Yeah. It seems like a really great beer community down there. It seems super supportive. It sounds really special to be a part of. So you, we've talked a little bit about the um, public house opening. Um, it opened recently. It includes a food menu from Kansas city chef Vince Brink. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say is the most exciting part of adding that food component to the brewery? You know, really, it's just that we 
decided to um, or wanted to approach our our food program, our kitchen, the same way that we approach our beer program, which is, you know, really the idea is to kind of let, um, for me, is to let our brewmaster have as much freedom and to kind of just do, you know, there's always things that we are going to be doing all the time and that people come back to because they love that and they love what it is and the familiarity and enjoy it. But we also just want to have fun and do something experimental and different. And Vince was such a great find for us. Uh, he was a, uh, he came to us as a sous chef from uh, Corvino Supper Club, which is an amazing, it's uh, Casey's only James Beard nominated uh, restaurant. So he has oh, wow. some, you know, serious credentials behind him. And yeah. like I said, we were just extremely lucky that he was just, he's been kind of a, a person on the same wavelength in terms of just, not just kind of in really every aspect, food, personality, creativity, everything. Um, so, you know, we have, like I said, things that we do all the time and a, a, a things that people come back for, but anything that he kind of gets the inclination to want to play around with and have fun with, we love that just because that keeps it interesting for him, which keeps it interesting for us and for our customers too. So it's always a little bit different. And I know, um, you know, if you're looking for a super consistent menu that does not change and it's going to be, you know, the same thing from, you know, one month or, you know, one year to that, that that's not our place. It'd probably be very different, you know, one week to the next, but that's kind of the fun of it for us. And I imagine it's challenging as well as fun. Can you tell us a little bit about any challenges that you've come across adding that food component? Oh, sure. Um, you know, I mean, really adding it, opening it when we did was, you know, for obvious reasons. So we opened uh, uh, the, the public house and the expansion opened in April of last year. Um, and we literally got the approval on our bank loan for that. You know, we've been kind of dealing with that concept and hoping to expand and we got the bank loan approval as things were sort of shutting down really intensely for COVID at, at right in that March, 2020, um, you know, three, you know, one week span of days. And we, you know, we paused and considered if it's, if this still made sense or if it was crazy to do, but, you know, we thought, you know, we'd put this much work and planning into it. And we also felt like whatever happens, whatever the world is like, more space is probably going to be a good thing and more, you know, more room to spread out is probably going to be um, desirable for us to add, which certainly is the case. Um, so, you know, really, I think that it, it's probably no different in a lot of ways, you know, us just opening, but the same is for a lot of restaurant, bar, breweries uh, that are open to the public of just kind of navigating and really just kind of adapting uh, and being able to have the flexibility of responding to kind of what's going out there, what's going on out there, just because it's, it was never a, a um, predictable world, but it's probably gotten much, much less predictable uh, the last couple of years. So, you know, we've, had, we've just had to be able to kind of um, just go with the flow a little bit. Now let's take a beer break. On a previous beer break, we mentioned that Kansas City did not follow prohibition, which allowed its nightclubs and jazz scene to flourish. This rebellious attitude towards the 18th Amendment could be attributed to one man, Tom Pendergast. Now there's lots of stories we could tell about Boss Tom, as they called him, but this is a beer podcast. So did you know that Boss Tom once owned the Pabst Building? in the middle of what is now the Crossroads Arts District, a building that started as a local bottling and distribution facility for the Pabst Brewing Company would reportedly become the front for Pendergast's bootleg operations during Prohibition. Nowadays, 
The Paps Building has become the Crossroads Hotel, a 132-room contemporary hotel with a rooftop bar and a variety of suites. This building saw decades of KC beer history, and now it's a great place to lay your head or grab a drink in the heart of the Crossroads District. Now let's get back to the show. So I just finished my brown ale. I think it's a good time to open up our second beer here. Let's get more into this Alpha Pale Ale. Rafi, could you tell us more about this beer? Absolutely. Can talk about Alpha Pale all day long. Um, it's, um, you know, the two we sent you. So we do four beers year round. Alpha Pale Ale, Monk and Honey, which is a Belgian Bondale with honey. House Brew, which is a coffee wheat stout. And Hang'em High, which is rotating hop IPA. Alpha Pale, our Hoppy Pale Ale, that is the one of, you know, even among our flagships, it's the, it's of our core beers. It's kind of our flagship. It's the one that keeps the lights on for us. It's the one that we do probably 50% or so of our production is alpha, you know, any, any given day and you walk in, you, if you guess that it's an alpha brew day, you have a pretty good chance of being right, <laughs> um, which is, you know, we didn't really, you know, we, we, we started with the, 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 the four year round beers. We didn't really know exactly, you know, we wanted to be, to, do those ones year round. We didn't know if one of them would kind of take the lead. And if we had a chance to, you know, to, 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 to pick one that we'd like it to be, I think it would have been alpha just because this is the one that um, it's our kind of work session shift beer. Uh, it's the one that we drink the most of. So it's great that people kind of latched onto it in the same way that we did ourselves really. Um, and really, yeah. So really the idea of, of alpha pale, it's a, Kind of a session beer for hop heads. It's uh, you know you could call it a session IPA. That's you know reasonable terminology. We call it you know alpha. It seems like in some ways that a session IPA kind of like brings down the the, the term IPA in some ways. So we call it alpha. It feels like that way bumps up a pale ale. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially you know it's a sessionable um, pale ale, five point six percent ABV. So not super super strong. One you could have a couple of a couple pints of for a session. But you know we hop it like a, a big uh, old school IPA. You know, so it, it's it gets its kind of big wallop of of hops. It's a little. I wouldn't say traditional, but it does kind of, you know, our, when we opened, especially, you know, my background before I moved back to Casey to start the brewery, I was living in Southern California. And so obviously your West coast IPAs are your way of life out there. Um, so it's all uh, Pacific Northwest hops. It's um, some Falconer's flight summit and some uh, CTZ, which are great. And, you know, we just, the it, it's uh it does have, you know, you get your little, you know, your, your bitterness in there, but at the same time, you know, those are also your, your very kind of um, citrusy grapefruit, you know, Mandarin kind of hops too, you know, I think that's the bitterness is, is I think on point, but at the same time, you know, you, you have a big, uh, you have a, a big amount of that kind of breakfast fruit overtones to it as well. Yeah. And the can art is awesome. And both of the, both of the can art, the, the can art on the brown ale and on this alpha pale is great. I'm guessing there's some kind of collaboration you do with artists with these can labels. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the alpha pale and kind of our, some of our original um, early branding stuff and design stuff was, is by a, an amazing uh, local graphic artist uh, named Leslie Hunt. Uh, so she did the, the artwork for alpha and as well as our logo and a bunch of stuff that's just kind of everywhere throughout our aesthetic. Uh, and then brown ale is, um, it's really fun. It's so our, our full-time sales rep, Thomas Woodward, he is an artist as well. He was a graduate, a graduate of the Kansas City Art Institute, and he is a, an amazing painter. Uh, so he has kind of come to do a, a lot of our sort of limited release, special release beers. Uh, and he's just got his own fun aesthetic that kind of um, is, you know, 
he can kind of do a lot of different things, playful and, you know, more kind of painterly, that sort of thing. So we love to use his stuff and really, you know, maybe our most popular beer uh, was actually, as I mentioned, uh, kind of inspired or uh, a beer that was brewed in that series of collaborations with, with local artists. We thought, again, you know, it kind of to do a beer that was uh, in tandem with an artist, you know, we don't need to look far, you know, Thomas is our, yeah. our rep and he has, he's an uh, amazing artist. So he has a, a, a painting called magic magic. And um, it's, it's a really, you know, wonderful piece, super just colorful and vibrant uh, and dynamic. Uh, and Travis Moore, our brewmaster and him started talking and, you know, it was really just, like I said, some of them are super abstract. The the nothing about the painting would suggest a beer, really, you know. So they really just kind of got in the weeds in terms of just like, what does this feel like to you? Uh, so it ended up being a an IPA, a hazy IPA with raspberry and lemon peel uh, that we do once a year in April, uh, and that's probably still our most popular uh, as far as limited releases go. That's the one that people still kind of um, go a little crazy for. <laughs> I just uh, tried to pull up a picture of Magic Magic, the painting you referenced, and I just searched Magic Magic, and it, it came up with a picture of Michael Sarah. I guess it's from a movie, <laughs> so that's that's probably not the right thing. Oh, I have it here. This is beautiful can art. Just for our our podcast listeners at home, the go look up the the, the labels for these cans. The brown ale looks like a hand sketch. It's it's beautiful, it's classy, and the Alpha Pale Ale is like this crazy neon light version of like a hawk grabbing hops, or I guess it would be a falcon because they're falconers flight hops. Right. <laughs> yeah. Both very cool cans and very different styles between the two of them. Yeah, I love that classic look of the brown ale. Looks, you know, just like brown ales are kind of not super, dare I say, fashionable these days, you know, kind of... Yep goes right along with the theme of the brown ale of like kind of an older style can really simple i love that now that's great that's exactly what we were sort of hoping for and going for in that and that was actually as you mentioned it's, uh, it was just our seventh anniversary we brewed the brown ale for the first time for our sixth anniversary last year and it was kind of a little bit of a victory lap you know we had done so much and you know at that time we you know had survived you know a very tough obviously covid year um yeah. and uh you know we we do so many out there you know uh beers with a lot of just interesting kind of challenging uh creative elements but at the same time we also just love to kind of do something a bit more traditional and a brown ale that an american brown ale was just a little classic and you know we didn't we kind of wanted to go back to the basics for it and just do something that um, felt a little bit nostalgic. And the label itself, like you said, is sort of um, points to that too. It's, it's one that kind of points to our, our brew equipment and just the being able to kind of be around uh, for this long and to, be able, and to be able to say that, you know, it's it's great. We love to do our, our weird stuff and kind of our um, pushing the boundaries, but at the same time, you know, we love to drink a nice roasty warming brown ale too. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of awesome things going on, um, a lot of fun things to look forward to, maybe, too. Do you have any new brewing projects that you're working on? Anything in the future you can tell us about? Yeah, you know, um, I think coming up next, uh, I think probably be this month and then into March. Um, just kind of a, a nice, fun thing that's for us to, to realize. It's been really cool to see the popularity of loggers and pilsners um, it really take off in the last um you know, two, three years or so, you know, we, we did a couple that first year or two and did events, you know, where it was a log release or a pills release and other brewers would come out to them, you know, uh, brewery industry people would come out and enjoy those, but they weren't really big events in terms of bringing out a crowd of just consumers. And that's changed so much in the last two or three years, you know, people, it's really been just 
gratifying and cool and fun to see how much uh, kind of uh, beer nerds and, and like us, uh, like everyone are into lagers and crisp Pilsners these days, just because, you know, we love drinking them and we love, you know, making them too. So now it's like, when we get to brew them, it's like, this is great. This is what we love to be doing. And we know it's going to find, it'll, it'll find a home. It'll find its people too. Once we get it out there, because we were never sure about that part before. Uh, so we have a couple coming out. Um, we have one that's a, um, a rice lager that should be kind of first out of the gate, which I think is just gonna be called, um, Torn Label Gold. And then we have another that's returning a Czech style Pilsner called Nice Driveway, which just came about because uh, one of our, so the the, the tap room um, that your green screen in front of, um, it was uh, designed and built by a local artist woodworker named Peter Warren. Uh, and when he was, uh, he, has, he has a story about when he was in uh, Prague, just, you know, going everywhere, going to bars and drinking Pilsners from, from bar to bar with a friend of his. And, you know, doing the traditional uh, Czech toast, Nazdrovia, and a friend, you know, they, they went to five or six places who you know, didn't realize that that's the actual uh, traditional toast. And at a certain point, after hitting a dozen or half dozen or so spots, he was like, what's going on with a nice driveway toast all the time? So we just thought we should memorialize that with uh, by calling the beer nice driveway. That's amazing. That's hilarious. That's so wonderful. So you mentioned that you, before you moved to the KC area, you were living in Southern California. And shamelessly, I looked up your IMDb because I assumed that you were probably involved <laughs> in the film industry. And it turns out you were. Um, I was, yes. Would you like to tell, do you have any interesting stories from your time in the film world that you'd love to share? Yeah, it's a, uh, it is a weird path for sure that I had from, um, <laughs> you know, film to craft beer. It's not one that, that, immediately jumps out as a uh, as a straight line but uh, yeah and honestly I, I never really did foresee a a career change I went to um, I, I grew up in Kansas City but I went to film school and then I had been working as a producer producing independent films for a good six or seven years and really you know what kind of initially to be honest sparked my appreciation and love for 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 great beer was um, I was my first film after graduating film school was I was an executive producer on a film called uh, Parisia Tem, uh, which very happy with very um, proud of that film is an anthology film with 20 different segments directed by 20 different directors. So we had segments by Wes Craven, um, Tom Tickford, Gus Van Sant, Coen Brothers, starred uh, Natalie Portman, Steve Buscemi, Elijah Wood, Dick Nolte. So a lot of those super cool people. Oh, in it. wow. Uh, so it was, um, yeah, produced and shot in Paris for over the course of about a year. And, you know, great experience, loved working on it. And, you know, at that time, I was, you know, certainly you know, yeah, much younger. And I enjoyed good, I enjoyed good beer. Um, I was not like especially well-versed or an expert by any means in craft beer or, or international beer or by uh, at that point. And, you know, obviously in Paris is wine country. So I was drinking lots of wine and enjoying that, but every now and then I missed, I missed having a good beer, you know? And so as a variation mm -hmm. or just kind of a, a change up for um, instead of a glass of wine, I, I would seek out uh, the few places at that time that had interesting beer selections. And at that time in Paris, if you want to drink good beer, you were drinking Belgian beer. So that kind of really opened me up to the world of the Belgian breweries and Trappist ales. And there are some places that are just really amazing in terms of having a great kind of um, 
Belgian um, kind of cave atmosphere and hat, and you could find, you know, the the the, the greats uh, from you know, Orville and Chimay and even uh, um, uh, West Belichian at certain times. Uh, and of course, you're you're close enough proximity to be able to travel to uh, Belgium and visit some of those places and Cantillon and others uh, like that at the time, which was uh, again amazing and life changing and. At that point, there was certainly no turning back in terms of how the, the chord that, that that beer had struck in me. So it really uh, kind of awakened this this uh, this love for beer that is beyond anything that I kind of knew that I had in me. Um, and yeah, then I moved moved to Cal- uh, to Los Angeles and uh, continued working, produced some more films after that uh, for another. Uh, five or so, six years in LA. Um, it was great. Still happy with that, uh, but still, you know, LA is great, but uh, LA has gotten better, but San Diego was kind of where it was at for, for great yeah. here. So it certainly was hitting the scene down there on a very regular basis. And that was, you know, really kind of cool to be a part of, not really a part of, but just kind of discovering to kind of seeing, you know, developing at that time. Uh, and after a certain point, you know, I have a, um, business partner that I, you know, work with on several different, uh, films and he has a family background in beer on the wholesale side. And he kind of knew, um, of my sort of interest in passion for, um, uh, knowledge of the craft beer industry at that point. And he and I started talking about if there was any interest that I had in potentially working with him on something that he would, you know, be an owner or co-founder that was not a film, but that was craft beer related. And, you know, I had never, you know, worked in the industry and not, I, I didn't really had a specific, uh, um, you know, knowledge or uh, anything like that. But if somebody asks you if you might want to start a brewery, you know, the laws of the universe basically require you to say yes to that question. <laughs> I agree. So yes. I said, of course, yeah. <laughs> and so I brought in uh, Travis Moore, who was our other co-owner, uh, and, uh, because he was the most talented home brewer that I had uh, known in all my times and kind of the beer circles at that time. Uh, and he was a friend from back in Kansas City, you know, the really the, the, the the big kind of ways we would stay in touch was that, you know, we'd come back every, as often as we could, but especially around um, the holidays and new year and wherever we were living at times, I was living in Paris, LA or New York at times. He was mostly in you know Chicago, Paris himself as well. We would just bring in whatever beer we couldn't get back home and share it with each other and with friends and family and crack those open. And that kind of, you know, is how that friendship started. Uh, and he kind of went on to become just a really incredibly creative and uh, wonderful uh, home brewer. And uh, I, I really felt he kind of had the knowledge and, and chops to kind of take it up a notch to the next level. Uh, so I asked if he would be interested in working together on um, a business plan for whatever this might look like. And he was at the time finishing up law school in Chicago. So it was also a very, you know, wow. uh, huge change in career and uh, life and geography for him as well. And, you know, he um, would tell the story better than I could. But, you know, at the time that we so we worked on that blueprint for a while, we got the go ahead from our other kind of co-owners, uh, investors. Very exciting um, after you know a long time, and that kind of happened literally the same day that he got the offer from his kind of dream law firm in Chicago as he was finishing up law school. So it was a real oh, uh, fork in the road moment for him. But um, you know, love of craft beer uh, won out, so we both moved back to um, our hometown and uh, started to label. Uh, like I said, seven years ago. Wow. wow. So like Hollywood pretty much led you right into craft beer, although they're not direct pass. I do have to say I'm disappointed when you mentioned the Coen brothers. I thought your route back to beer was going to be like Joel and Ethan were big hop heads. And they were like, here, I smuggled smuggled some stone ruination over here. If only, you know, that was the, you know, the, the Parisian tent was great. I love the film. But the, the one downside of it was it was 
there were so many cool people on it, but there were such, you know, there were short five minute segments. So I didn't get that much time to, uh, to yeah. hang out with any, any one person on there, but you know, who knows? <laughs> Still cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So we know so much more about Kansas city now than we did three weeks ago. And there's a lot to do there. What would you say your ideal day off in Kansas city is? What would you do? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'll probably answer it in a couple ways because it's like, there's, you know, for me in terms of for, for my day off, but then there's also the stuff that's in my head. It's like, well, if I was visiting, well, where would I really want to make sure people don't miss? And if you're new, if you haven't been to KC and if you're just kind of in town for a little bit, uh, I would really say the, um, the Negro League Baseball Museum is fantastic. It's really world-class. It's uh, they've done a really impressive job with it. And it's, uh, you know, the history, the collection, everything is, is super on point there. It's easy to do too. It's uh, uh, 18th Divine. Uh, the Jazz District um, is only a half mile from the crossroads. So you can easily do a, um, a great brewery crawl after you do that. That's just, uh, like I said, right down the street. And then, yeah, um, crossroads um, breweries, you know, there's so many, like I said, that that there are uh, there, there's not a lot of better ways to spend a Saturday afternoon, Saturday afternoon if it's uh, nice out than hitting up, you know, six or seven spots uh, in, in the area. And honestly, really not just uh, breweries, you know, there's, there's also Casey Wineworks and there's uh, Lifted Spirits Distillery, Tomstown Distillery and Mean Mule, uh, American Agave Spirits. So really a, a fun scene up there. You know, and then, uh, for, yeah, again, so for me, you know, the Nelson Museum is also one that I would, I love doing anytime. I think it's just one of the more underrated museums in uh, in the country in terms of the collection. Uh, it's free every single day of the year, you know, which is super cool about it. Uh, and it's a beautiful setting. So that one is, uh, it's hard to go wrong there. Right. Um, and that yard outside so is been, beautiful. It's a great, like, it's garden. A great, yeah, it's just like it's it's, it's it's a great like city wow. front yard for everybody to kind of just great gather place and for a picnic, picnic too. exactly yeah absolutely yep. food wise obviously um, you know barbecue is this thing that that you're gonna want to gravitate towards when you're in the city um, there are so many contentious answers that there's no better way to start an argument than to if you're visiting KC than to than to go into a bar and, and ask for a recommendation because you know you'll get you know, overlap, but a lot of very passionate answers for people who will, uh, you know, argue that, uh, that way. Uh, you all know my opinion on, on Kansas city barbecue at this point. I'm a, I'm a Jack stack loyalist. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I'm still a, um, formerly Oklahoma Joe's it's still Oklahoma okay. Joe's to me. Casey Joe's officially now. I think it's still, right. I, and that was literally just what I was talking about with my girlfriend was before this, uh, um, the zoom was like, I think we need to go to Oklahoma Joe's this week. It's been too long. <laughs> that one's <laughs> worth doing. Um, I always love, you know, dinner wise. Um, there's a place in, uh, nearby around downtown in the West side neighborhood called, uh, the West side local. Um, and I think that, that that's a great place to send people because mm-hmm. their focus is really just as local as possible, just kind of keeping all the ingredients, the beer, the wine, the food and ingredients as locally sourced as possible. So it's a great way to just kind of get a handle on as much that's kind of from the area as possible. And it's just maybe my favorite restaurant too. So that's the one that I would uh, default to. And then I guess maybe last thing, um, you know, going back to my background and still one of my favorite things, um, film and watching movies. Uh, I think we have one of the best movie theaters in the country, uh, Screenland Armor, which is in North KC, so just north of the river, just north of downtown. Um, they have an amazing film program that's, um, you know, independently run and just, they just do the coolest stuff there between, you know, indie art house stuff, some, you know, larger stuff too. And also just like kind of great, you know, rep screenings that, uh, you know, whatever seems fun and cool to bring back. 
35 and millimeter screenings. Great selection of beer on tap there too. So you can keep on you know, <laughs> trying local beer. Love a it's movie a, theater where you can get a beer. Yeah. Is it an actual a, film theater? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, film theater. And we've, we've done actually like a fair amount, probably more collaboration beers with them than maybe anywhere else. We we've done <laughs> so like whenever a movie comes out that looks fun for us. Um, uh, and you know, we talked to Adam, Travis and I, and Adam, uh, the Adam's the owner of Screenland and just think about a beer that might be loosely inspired by the movie and then do a collaboration on it. we so we did one for all the, uh, the star Wars sequels. We just did one for, for Dune a little while back, you know, every now and then we invent one just cause there's like a, really very, very seldom or a little scene in the movie from the like 2006 or seven or so called uh, Bellflower, which we all love, but nobody's seen. So we just thought, let's brew a beer about this so we can have an excuse to screen the movie, basically. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we'll, we'll trade you this collab beer for a print of this movie. Exactly. <laughs> so you've mentioned barbecue, you've mentioned jazz, things that Kansas City are pretty well known for. But what is one thing that you wished Kansas City was more well known for? Um, I would say coffee. You know, the, the amount of yeah. coffee roasters that we have in town is, um, yeah, it's it's really impressive. And then that it's been really kind of going and self-sustaining for a while now. And again, that's kind of, you know, how this, in some ways, the, how it, the whole thing came together is again, Travis and I first met at a really kind of great coffee house that used to be around back in the day. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot of roasters that are doing great kind of artisanal uh, coffee that are really uh, all, you know, great sourcing and really, really tasty uh, and good spaces too. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, one of our year round beers uh, that I mentioned briefly, a beer called um, House Brew, which is in collaboration with one of our local roasters, just because, you know, we love coffee nearly as much as we love beer. And we kind of wanted <laughs> a coffee beer to be part of our year round lineup. So, um, yeah, so we, we thought that we do a coffee wheat stout, uh, it's called house brew. The kind of name is sort of a, kind of a riff on the idea that at the house brew at a place could be either the house cup of coffee or the house beer. And, uh, it's with a, a local roastery called thou mayest, uh, and we use their, um, Ethiopian roast on that one. It's a, it's a cold pressed, cold extracted coffee. And, uh, like I said, it's a coffee wheat stout. So it's actually technically a wheat beer, 50 over 50% wheat in the malt bill. So it gives it that kind of a, a nicer kind of like soft, silky mouthfeel. It's Ooh. not as kind of dense or heavy as some people expect a, a beer like that to be. Um, and yeah, that, that's one that, um, we, we do all year round. And then we also kind of, you know, like Screenland, we try to come up with an excuse to do a coffee collaboration, uh, whenever we can. <laughs> and Rafi, how do you make your coffee? Are you a pour over guy? Are you a French press guy. I'm a pour over. Yeah, I've got uh, uh, I got an Eva Solo at home that I I, I use. Um, yeah, which is really nice. Um, I, I I tend to have coffee more on the outside than I do at home. Really, just for the reason that I love all of our local coffee houses. Uh, so you know they do a great job, and uh, I love being there and drinking their stuff. Cool. I lived in Kansas City for a couple of years, and I was not into great coffee then. I've since learned better ways, uh, but I did not know that about Kansas City. That is really exciting. I will have to check out that scene. I'm in Columbia, so I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna far. check that out really soon. Way about there is one of my favorites yes, too. Yeah. Mine too. Mine too. Uh, I'll go there every Saturday morning, pretty religiously at this point. Okay, so Rafi, you know, tell us where can folks find Torn Label? Where can we find your beer? Um, and where can folks find out more about your brewery? Yeah. So, you know, we, um, like I said, you know, distribution wise, we, we keep it pretty tight right now. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of 
I don't want to say you have to come to Casey to 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 get us, but that's the best but bet. You for should sure. come. Uh, to yeah, that's <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, yeah, you know, it's primarily Casey distributed. Um, you know, we we like I said, we despite the fact you know we have the tap room and now the public house, we still send out the vast majority of our beer to uh, bars and restaurants and liquor stores. So, good amount goes in uh, to some of our favorite restaurants and bars around the city, and we also, like I said, about half or so 50% of our production is canned. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll send out to also bars and restaurants, but also liquor stores. Yeah. So primarily you'll fight us in KC, you know, you'll, you'll, it'll, it'll get out there every now and then to, to places like Columbia, uh, to not Columbia as much, but uh, Springfield, which is uh, Lawrence, Topeka. Um, but yeah, really, you know, we kind of try to stick close, close to home and kind of, uh, you know, focus on our home base. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Rafi, for joining us. This was a great conversation. Thanks to MC for co-hosting. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Cheers. Great conversation indeed. Thanks again to Rafi for joining us on this episode. You can follow Torn Label on Twitter and Instagram at TornLabelKC. And when you're in Kansas City, make sure to visit the Crossroads Arts District and stop into the newly opened Torn Label Public House. As always, if you're looking to enhance your podcast experience, you could join the Brews Less Travel Beer Club at Bruvana.com and you too can get a box of the beers we're featuring on the podcast delivered to your doorstep. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Bruvana. Also be sure to follow us on Untapped to keep up to date with the breweries and beers we are featuring. We'll be back next week with our final Kansas City episode. But until then, be safe, be kind, and support your local breweries!